Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the DXM Podcast. I am your host, Colborn Bell, and joined this week uh, by the co-founder of Miami NFT Week, uh, Johnny D'Alerta. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. We start this show in the same place every time, and that is giving you, the guest, uh, the space to talk about yourself and what you're up to. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the co-founder of Miami NFT Week, uh, born and raised in Miami, Florida, and uh, went from being a graphic designer, artist type person to building websites in the early 90s and uh, stumbling into uh, a place that actually had a print shop on the first floor and the web company on the second floor. And uh, instead of being a designer, they asked me to build a website that had to do with uh, databases and variables, and I didn't know what the hell that was. <laughs> and that set me down a path that I have not returned from. Um, and having experienced living in Miami uh, in the tech kind of bubble and burst experiences that have been here, uh, that was you know, the dot-com boom. And then I went to work for a company called Alienware, where I was like one of 15 employees early on, um, where I helped build the brand that was there at the time. I wasn't satisfied. So I kept on jumping from job to job, like most creative people do, until I realized that my romanticism with design and making a living out of it meant that I had to go down the marketing route and the sales route and being a director of some sort. And then while working for a voice or IP company, I got uh, uh, into crypto in 2013. And so I took the big deep dive after reading the news of Silk Road, not so much about the, the, the ominous aspect of it, uh, more so on how were these people that were doing these illicit things trusting each other um, and actually doing good commerce together, even though this was like, you know, pretty, pretty... Uh, uh, regulated type of thing and it's something you should, people shouldn't be doing. So I was like struck by that. Um, and, uh, and, and during the Bitcoin talk uh, forums, just, you know, Bitcoin forums just piled into it every day. And I launched a website called 51 attack where I, I tried to prove that you could do an only crypto ecosystem where selling grunge Bitcoin uh, and Dogecoin type shirts uh, at the time where I take the crypto Flip it to, to Bitcoin. I accepted 47 different cryptocurrencies nice. and uh, was able to to find a guy in California who would make the shirts and fulfill the shirts and then buy gift cards on Vinnie Lingman's gift network for crypto and interact with the world and never touch fiat, right? Like that was like, you know, to tell people, no, you this is the future. Like this can happen and it can be a closed loop, right? Yeah. And as a result of that, uh, I was able to, there was the Bitcoin, uh, the North American Bitcoin conference that happened every year uh, by Mo Levin here in Miami. Yeah, and shout out Mo, most great. There was a lot of excitement happening. People were coming to Miami during that time uh, in 2014. And I got a call from some friends that were at the Bitcoin Center. There were the people running the Bitcoin Center in New York um, that they were coming down. And they called me and said, hey, there's these people, you know, do you know the Ethereum folks? They need some help with some t-shirts. You think you can help them out? And I ended up saying, sure. Uh, and I showed up. Couldn't help them with the t-shirts within 24 hours. <laughs> but I was there 
like in the garage, like with Steve Jobs and Bill Gates type of experience. And, you know, with Vitalik and Charles Hoskinson and Joe Lubin and, and my friend uh, Anthony DiOrio. And that just changed my life. That night changed my life. Um, and just went to 2017. I went to work with Anthony DiOrio at Decentral Jacks. It was when CryptoKitties hit right during that time. The gaming aspect and the NFT aspect just kind of like, like blew my mind of the opportunities that could be had in that in that regard. And uh, I started a, a thing called the Awesome NFT List on GitHub, where I was tra tracking all the things that were happening. There was like hundreds of projects. And then I kind of gave up because we went into that kind of crypto winter. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit and we had all this excitement going on. And, uh, you know, NBA Top Shots and all the, you know, the people thing. Uh, all these things were happening. It was like the culmination of the perfect storm. And then we had the Bitcoin conference here in Miami where there was like 15,000 people who showed up, but they didn't allow them to speak about anything other than Bitcoin, right? So it's like there needs to be something different that happens here. And that's the emergence of Miami NFT Week, the progression of how we got there. <laughs> yeah. So, so ladies and gentlemen, like if you don't know, this is, this is real crypto pedigree you've got. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like to call it like that. But, oh, but I mean, look, I don't think we've had anybody on the uh, on the show. This is like this is this is a cool crypto pedigree. Um, cool. So, yeah. Shout out to you just for being there and experiencing those things, you know, and Miami always has been the epicenter of like what is new, what is upcoming. Uh, North American Bitcoin conference was absolutely fundamental for me, uh, especially on the investment side, like starting out. Um, Mo is cool. Anthony Dorio, of course, like legends, big legend. Um, all the other guys you mentioned as well. Uh, tell me, you know, why do you think this is with Miami? What is it about this city that brings such energy, this newness? Um, it has obviously this history, but we'd love to hear it from you. I, I honestly attribute it to the, to the immigrant type of experience, right? Obviously, before the immigrants, you know, it's still a hustle and bustle. Even in the, in the 20s, you know, there was, you know, uh, a lot of older people, if you would have come to, to Miami, you know, Miami Beach would have had a lot of your grandmothers and grandfathers chilling on the on Ocean Drive. And, and, and they were trying to relive the, the youth that they couldn't live in, the, in this heyday of the 1920s. Right. So that was a kind of an immigration of people that came during that time. And then we had Cuban immigration and Venezuelan immigration and, and Nicaraguan immigration. And so all these cultures are coming to Miami and they're trying to to survive, right? And they give each other opportunities. The ones that have come, giving opportunities to those that are coming after them. And I think that's in our DNA, to be honest with you. I think, you know, when, when, and I think we have the infrastructure and the setup and that mentality that as the pandemic hit and the environment was more favorable here in Miami, both in weather, both in, in the, in the way that our governments were, were handling some of the, the issues that were occurring. Um, when they, when people were like, Oh, we're already in Miami or we've been to Miami or we have a house in Miami, let's just go work out of there. The whole local community that was already primed and ready to, to accept that opportunity was saying, how can we help? Like what our mayor said, how can we help? And so like, you know, you need to meet someone, you know, I always tell people if they're coming to Miami, even if I meet them the first time, send me a ping, we'll go grab a Cuban coffee, a cafecito. And you know, that's how it starts. And it's that kind of helping hand, helping people that are coming that I think is, is what sets us apart and keeps us going, you know, in, in all these different, different occasions. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, 
like speak about the the Cuban experience, right? This desire for like the idea of American freedom, but also having suspicion of the government, uh, what it means to actually like own something for yourself. I, I agree, like cryptocurrency is very much core to that self-sovereignty, determination, the ability to like live and fulfill one's dreams um, in a way that they are independent. Obviously, same with Venezuelans as well. Uh, yeah. It's cool. Um, so obviously you have this creative background. Tell me more about what you were seeing in the beginning around NFTs that excited you. Well, it actually can go back to that night in, in the Ethereum house where I was, uh, I was quiet. Nobody knew who I was. And then they were doing an interview, uh, the old school webcams, the little circular Logitech webcams that looked like eyeballs. Like there was no, you know, you don't, 2014 doesn't seem that long ago, but the internet wasn't that great, you know, and, and they asked the questions like, what kind of impact did they see Ethereum having on the world? Hmm. And I just said, you know, I just, you know, I said, I have to say something. And I, they didn't know who I was in that group of people. And I said, I, I thought that it would help the country where my parents are from, which is Cuba, right? Like hmm. this is a place where people have distrust, like you mentioned. Uh, but it's a way that they could self, they become be self-sovereign to their own future, right? Mm. Could it be currency? Could it be organization of themselves? Like we hadn't foreseen what Ethereum were to do, what's going to, what was going to happen, but I could already foresee that, that it would be meaningful that they can interact with the world without permission. And then fast forward to, to right before the conference, I started helping uh, with another project called NFT Cuba, where I was helping Cuban artists on the island to sell their NFTs because there was no tourism during the pandemic. And these people could not buy, you know, sell their work. And uh, I, I was in a clubhouse. I heard about this one Cuban photographer that was trying to sell his work, Gabriel uh, Bianchini, who became pretty prominent in the NFT community later on. And he he, he couldn't get Ethereum. Some, someone send them enough Ethereum to like mint his first NFT. It was sold. I went and bought his second one because it was mm. like, this is the culmination of this conversation about like why this is meaningful. And he then tells me, no, there's a bunch of Cuban artists on Telegram. I'm like on Telegram, we had a conversation on Discord. I'm like, the last time I had a conversation with Cuba was with my great grandmother, right? Like very impactful, very emotional. Um, and we amassed more than a hundred NFT Cuban artist. We I launched a website called NFT Cuba, and then through there, all these things happen, right? That community beget another community in Miami called JPEG Morgan, where all my friends were like really talking about NFTs, and that amassed to like two or three hundred people. And then it's like the Bitcoin conference comes around, and you can't talk about Ethereum, you can't talk about NFTs unless they're on Bitcoin, which I know there were some projects there, and so I was like, I was like who's going to do something to help this Miami? Like a lot of conferences, like Mo, for example, would do his conferences regularly in Miami, right? Like, and, and some, com some conferences come, they pick a different place or whatever. But the idea here was to make sure that, that, you know, the voices are heard in the Hispanic community, in the entrepreneurial community, that the, that the students that want to participate are here and that it's, you know, I have a bias to Miami, right? The, the, the faces that are there, right? Like when you go to most Bitcoin conferences, it's a, a melange of people coming from everywhere and they're going to put up those people that are strong voices, obviously, but I have a bias. And so there's a lot of Miami voices on, on speaking 
And, and as a result, it became successful, right? But it was a culmination of all these things um, of me trying to help and try to continue to, to expand the knowledge and, and the power that Web3 or crypto or blockchain or however you want to call it is going to have an, an impact of everybody in the world and how it's changed my life uh, as a result of it. I mean, I think those are some of the most beautiful, powerful stories. Uh, the idea of just somebody reaching out, you know, with just a simple ask, you know, whatever it might be, $50 in Ethereum and just like right there, right there. Clubhouse was a cool time onboarding a lot of people in this way. Um, I remember some of like my coolest experiences. I remember an artist burst. Uh, I think they were down in a little surf town in Colombia. It was during the pandemic. They made an artwork. They said, you know, all the proceeds are going to go feed, uh, you know, children at an orphanage down there. And, you know, about the piece three days later, there's a truck full of food. It's just like the most beautiful thing to see how we can spread that energy across the world and kind of like share and give back in these ways. Um, and, you know, that spirit for sure is like in this tech. It's so, so cool. And it's immediate, right? Like that, yeah. that thing that you did immediately impacted them and they, uh shared with you that impact back like you know and, and i think that it it makes you want to do it again right it makes yeah. you want to to have that experience that that feeling uh that feeling of gratitude the feeling of of helping and and i'll tell you like you know some very powerful words to me is like one of the cuban artists his name is uh, paulo he goes by paulo de okay paulo de twitter or paulo mm. de facebook or paulo de like he he names himself depending on the, the channel he's on, yeah. but in a, in a space in Spanish, he said, it's like, you know, you know where it is that I don't have to ask for permission from the ministry of culture, if I can make a piece of art and the, uh, and then in the back of my head, as like the other aspect is that if I go and buy that piece of art, that money goes to him, to his wallet, to his thing. And unless they, you know, by force try to do something to him, he doesn't, he never needs to give it to anybody. Right. And that is, it's a very powerful concept uh, that 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 goes beyond the art and speculation and the excitement and the greed and and the degeneracy that mm -hmm. some some of us express in in this thing. But like, I would want to buy a piece of art for two hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, or whatever it's worth from someone that you know now may is not in the island anymore. He was able to to hang out in Spain now, right? But maybe that partly because of the success of some of these things uh help them do that right so man the the ripple effects are just like untold you know i i say it again and again it had to have been like the greatest wealth transfer to just like creatives in a creative class and allowing them to realize more of their dreams more of themselves um i it's it is just incredible uh, so maybe now we can transition to, you know, the work that you are doing, uh, with Miami NFT week. Uh, I know, you know, I just came back from NFT Paris. It is no simple production to put on one of these. So I, <laughs> I applaud your, your courage, um, because that is something that I would, I would, could never in a million years begin to want to do. I don't know if I could tell you that I wanted to do it. I just kind of like <laughs> had this idea. And I'm a marketing guy and I'm a, and I'm a creative and, you know, creative people are always coming up with ideas. And then some of those ideas actually stick and people think it's a good idea. And, um, and it, it, it basically went, you know, 
in this way. You know, I, I, I have purchased domains like most good marketing creative people do, but you buy domains when you have an idea. And, and I had seen the success of NFT NYC and had seen the success of other conferences and saw the meaningfulness of a conference of, you know, even if you go back to like reading about, you know, uh, Apple, you know, and the conferences that they went to, uh, to, to, to showcase their, the motherboards that they were building. Like that's like a group of enthusiasts that are in this space, trading ideas, getting to meet each other. And like, that's the place where it's like, it's like the club in real life. Right. And so it's, it has profound effects, you know, and, and, and I'll go into some of those effects, like even just in the art conference that happened, but the idea was I sent the message to the mayor because the mayor, mayor Francis Suarez was taking all messages and interacting with everybody and uh, had friendships within, within the community. And it said, look, I want to do something that overlaps Bitcoin, the Bitcoin conference that allows more conversations to occur. They, they introduced me to, to my now two, two co-founders, uh, Ted Lucas, who's the founder of Slip and Slide Records, who brought people like Rick Ross and Trick Daddy. Uh, like it's a Miami grown independent record label. Like how, how amazing is that? Success, you know, and, and the means to, to give back. And then my other co-founder, Eric Lapaglia, who is pretty well known, was well known in the, in the crypto and the finance world and whatnot. And they're like, no, we think we could do a conference out of this. Like, let's do a conference. I said, let's go. You know, I've never done this before. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> if you guys have the research and thinking, you know, this can happen. So Eric brought our, our event director and then uh, Ted brought someone from marketing. And I brought, you know, my experiences with crypto, like the speakers and the different people that I wanted to integrate. And, uh, and, and within, like, literally 90 days, like, you know, we, we were already thinking about it, but like when we got the green light that we we're going to move forward last year, 90 days, never worked together before. The team, the team that we brought together had never worked with us or together before. And we pulled off an event uh, that could only be answered by the ethos, I think, of Web3, right? Mm. And, and I, I don't think many people realize this, right? Like the fact that we all get together and we enjoy clubhouses and community and all that. But this is the this is like if there's a there's a type of personality that gravitates towards that where they're like again how can I help right I want to participate I may get paid I may not get paid I may get to be on stage or maybe not maybe my the the value comes out of something I meet and I think everybody in our space is always thinking that way to the point where like it culminated in real life right and five thousand people later. 250 speakers, you know, where we had Mark Cuban come to speak. We had two stages. We had a bustling expo hall. We had, you know, DJs on the outside, um, you know, with the Miami sound. And, you know, it just felt like Miami. You know, Mark Cuban came off the, the stage and he said, like, this didn't feel like a conference. It felt like a concert, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so so that's like the the, the excitement and, and, and the success and integrating our higher education, you know, FIU, Miami-Dade, you know, reaching out to them, having their students come over, you know, giving them opportunities to come for free, like that type of thing happened, so. Amazing. Uh, tell me, you know, I want to hear more about, again, and I, I was speaking about this uh, all week, like how important it is to you, to everybody, just to have these places to get offline, like we've built these relationships and just connect in person. 
I mean, I can tell you that I think many people, I may, I'm gonna, this may be controversial, but many sane people rather be in, have, have like integrate not only their online lives and being online and doing what we're doing right now. Like I'm longing for the opportunity for you to come to Miami and say, and, and, and hang out and meet and give ourselves a hug and, you know, yeah. you know, give a high five and, 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 and get that in-person experience, break bread, you know, have a lunch together, like, you know, experience things. Right. And I think online gets you to, so to a certain extent, but it's they're not deep, meaningful relationships, right? Like we're asynchronously communicating through WhatsApp, through Discord, through Telegram. We're getting a vibe for each other, but 15 minutes in front of us, you know, I think that's why podcasts are so like powerful because we're an extended time where you're getting to know me, I'm getting to know you, but it's it's what happens also when you're having a meal, right? When yeah. you're having a conversation with someone. Or the serendipitous aspects of like, oh, you know, oh, you're here, whatever. Like, I'm not doing anything after the conference. Let's walk over to the bar. Let's walk over to get a coffee. And then it starts morphing. And 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 especially, you know, in these conferences, like, you meet people that you only met online. Immediate, like, holy, wow. Now I put a face to the to the avatar. Like, that's very powerful. And then they introduce you to someone else. And like, oh, but that that's a that project. I love that project. Like. Like, oh, you're, you know, like, and you start, it just becomes like excitement, you know, and, and, uh, and, and those serendipitous things happen as a result of these in real life things, you know, it's like, a, you know, it's more profound than just like, oh, let me, let me get you in a group chat with my friend or, you know, it's very transactional where now, you know, you know, your body language is saying something that you're bored or not bored, right? <laughs> like, so, so yeah, it's very yeah. important. You know, you know, otherwise it's, it's words on a screen, right? And then suddenly you're in somebody's energy. You're, you're, you're feeling like the vibe you, and then, and then, you know, and a lot of the times, like what you gleam from online is correct. Right. And suddenly like, you know, within an hour, maybe it's just like your brothers, right. Or whatever it is, you're just like coming together. You feel it, you knew it. Um, and that is, that is like a super, super special feeling. And it really does actually because then you take that friendship and that relationship back online and you're like, I really know this person. I, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I would say like when you think back in the, in the olden days, right. Clubs were the thing where like, you didn't have social media you needed to go to like a dinner club or a lunch mm -hmm. club to like really connect with people and, and, and do deals and, and network and, and, and find opportunities to, 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 um, to connect and, and grow and, and, and showcase what you do. But like, you know, I, I, and even just with the, the, the community that I'm part of about JPEG Morgan, like we started doing lunches, we started doing proof of stake lunches, you know, and the fact that these lunches would go like, they started like with 20, 30 people, they 50, 60, 70. And then the fact that every single person knows each other, everybody loves each other. Everybody wants to spend time with each other. Right. Like that doesn't really occur. Like, you know, and I, and I like to say like something like people are like, oh, but what's the value of the of crypto? What's the value of Web3? Well, you know, there was something that happened with the community of America, right? Like hmm. you have this philosophy and this idea that brought people together, right? And then monetary things occurred as tools to allow us to continue to work together. But the reality is that Web3, I think maybe even stronger because that, that, 
we are coming together in such a way that we want to build together. We want to interact with together. Um, and it's kind of like a different nation state in a sense, right? It's, it's a decentralized one. I'd love to talk about uh, how you perceive the vibe of, uh, you know, Miami NFT week to be different or perhaps similar to something like uh, Art Basel. Well, I would say it's more, it may be more similar, right? If you, if you, and I don't know if you've attended an Art Basel, but Art Basel, and I actually a lot of, have a lot, a lot of memory of Art Basel because having been in the crypto, not crypto, but tech scene in Miami, you know, I was working for, for an agency that got bought by the, 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 the developer that owns and built the design, uh, the design, Miami, the design district, right? They're the ones that made the interaction to get Basel to come to Miami. And Basel, all it was, was an art fair, right? right? That's really what it was. But what happens, right? You have artists that are the ones that are curated, the ones that are allowed. And then what happens with the ones that want to get a piece of that action or kind of like get a little bit of that visibility? Then you had a place that's now called Wynwood. It's always been Wynwood, but not during, <laughs> during those days, it wasn't really considered a place you wanted to hang out. There was no stores. Everything yeah. was abandoned. But what did artists do? What do what a, what a creative people do? Well, they get a freaking, you know, uh, box truck and set up a, a, a random gallery in the box truck. They set up on the floor. They, they rent spaces that have been derelict forever and start doing interesting things. And then that starts saying, well, you know what? Let's add a restaurant here. Let's add a, a showroom here. Let's add a retail store. It's cheap, right? Creative people need cheap things in order for them to kind of like showcase. And the vision of the, the design jurisdiction and the developers of the design district kind of started playing out where all these, it started growing outside of it. And now design district is, is like a center point in art, in culture, in, in dance, in, not dance, I'm saying dance, uh, in, um, in design is what I'm design, trying to say, design yeah. in, in fashion, right? And then it pushed out to the Wynwood, which is now culture, bars, music entertainment you know galleries you know the walls are galleries in winwood right and now this is the epicenter so you know that's the and and then now during our basel two years ago when the whole crypto thing was happening they said there was 150 tech events happening during our basel yeah 150 events you know like nothing you know maybe maybe with art but correlating with art like that is the, you know, an amazing uh, occurrence, right? And so uh, with Miami and uh, Melissa Medina from Emerge Miami, which is, was our main tech conference that has been happening for years upon years, she, she thought it would be great and the leadership of Miami thought it would be great to have April to be Miami Tech Month, right? And so Miami, Miami NFT Week will kick that off and then we'll have Emerge and then they'll have like other things that occur during that month to kind of also recreate a little bit of what's happening with our Basel to keep mm. that momentum going, to keep that ecosystem building uh, and not letting it just be a boom and bust, right? Like we are, we are the place to, to, to be creative and, and innovative. Do you want to talk about, you know, what you're seeing this year, what you're planning, um, anything like that? I mean, it's funny because a lot of speakers are just, you know, people that are my friends and, <laughs> and like, I can't really, I can't really like pull one or, or say that I'm excited about one or the other. I can say that I'm really, really excited that my friend Anthony Diorio is coming to speak. You know, uh, you know, as a result of being a co-founder of, of 
of of Ethereum. And also, he's very he's been very generous to many people around that have been around him. Um, and I and I think he's he's always had a forethought. Like he's the first person that I heard speak about a wallet being the portal or the browser to the blockchain. Mm -hmm. The wallet is that browser and portal to the blockchain. And we later saw that occur with MetaMask and all these other things. Like you need, you know, Chrome is through MetaMask and through other systems allows to interact with the blockchain, right? Like that's the real, that's the real browser. The comments like that and his pioneering, uh, I, you know, I'm excited to interview him. Like, you know, I've never done that. I'm actually kind of scared to, 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 <laughs> to, 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 you know, have this, have my friend and having the, having a conversation kind of like what we're doing right now, but also showcase a new product that he's coming out with that I think is really, really interesting. Um, we're doing some things, other things that are quite interesting in the expo that were like my requests, like, the lanes in the expo hall will be named after streets of uh, of Miami. We'll have Cayocho, Flagler. The main thoroughfare will be Palmetto. Some Miami people might say that it needs to have some detour signs or, or some uh, construction signs <laughs> and things like yeah. that. <laughs> Traffic. But, um, you know, and then the other thing that I'm really, really excited about is that MasterCard has come in and they're they're sponsoring a lot of our Hispanic panels. And uh, we have right. at least, uh, we had one last year, which is the one with the artist that I was mentioning, Gabriel Bianchini, mm. he actually was able to leave Cuba through Spain, come to Miami, and it was the first time we had met in person, and I had him in my panel. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a beautiful, like, emotional situation that occurred. And now we'll have six panels or, or seven panels or, you know, as many panels as we can about the Hispanic conversation, people from Chile, people from Brazil, people from Venezuela, people from the Caribbean, right? Like coming to talk about what they're doing and it's a conduit to keeping that excitement going on, right? Especially like we know in Argentina, one of the earliest pioneers, but like other places are starting to wake up and like how do we continue to grow that uh, opportunity for them as well, so. Yeah, a lot of love to our, our friends in Argentina. They incredible artists and just and super, super early. Um, I'm heading down there actually when NFT Miami is uh, going on. Um, oh no, what's what's going on there, man? You got to make a stop over here. I know. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there the 25th to the 6th. Just meeting again, like meeting people who've been so good to me, and and you know, like shout out Crypto Argentina, 200 plus artists, like all together in this community spirit, helping people just get onboarded, showcasing their art, like sharing and, and learning each other it's it's really a different different game and and you know i love everything they do in argentina so i mean that that is incredibly exciting so you know i think all of this to say that in your mind right nfts are certainly not dead i don't think they're dead and i and i run a really emphasize the reason why i got into nfts probably to my detriment was not to collect and to do to collect art or to participate. In art. I think that was kind of like a given, you know, but, you know, thinking really far into the future, like what's the power of what you can do with NFTs? Like it's not just art and speculation, you know, uh, NFTs as tickets, you know, mm -hmm. NFTs as literature, NFTs as uh, composable things, right? Like we still haven't really, like we just touched, touch the the, the 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 tip of the iceberg to think that you know you know if you go back to crypto kitties 
CryptoKitties is still super innovative because they create a DNA strand that dictates how the the kitty is going to look to you on the browser, right? And that's what enabled you to to breed them and to do all those things. We're seeing a lot of the same old thing that from you know PFP projects that just follow a formula, looking for 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 payday or to build a community. Some some built a good community. Some were payday. Some were were you know had some interesting innovation. Some have implemented staking. Some have implemented burning uh, things. Some have implemented dynamicacy. Right for me, dynamic NFTs. Let's go more in that realm, right? Mm. Like, what more can you do? Can you do SVG, you know, vector-based NFTs, you know, where they're, you know, 3D or some project? I remember that, that you know, you bought the NFT and that was like the whole program for like an 8-bit game, right? Like, mm. it's right within the NFT on, on chain. Like, that's really, you know, does is it very valuable? I don't know. Is it very cool? Yes, it's very cool. But the very cool is what leads to something really interesting. And I do, I do see that the, the the blockchain is the future of the internet, or is the new internet, right? You know, it's, it's I, you know, what's going to happen. I, I totally agree. You know, I don't think it's very clear where we are going, but I think we all kind of agree that we need to transition kind of away from these Web two platforms where creators are like rent seeking in places like Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, your content can be taken, your content can be wiped, you can lose that identity and put it in, into a decentralized place where that like wallet becomes your identity. And the NFT, again, becomes all of these vectors that speak to your identity. So if you were at that concert, you have the ticket. If you were at that sports game, you have the NFT. Uh, and that's nice because unlike all of these like tickets that I throw away, all of this paper, all of these little trinkets all of these things from you know conferences that it just it lives forever and it can live forever as a digital collectible um well i'll give you i'll give you even a better example with the ticketing aspect right we're gonna we're i've been really struggling to find a good ticket opportunity for the nfts like if i could build it myself i would like yeah. have ideas but you know to build something into like you know that's a whole other conversation uh but from from people like Token Proof with Fonds and like other platforms, they're all doing something interesting and different. But for example, there's a project that I'm gonna hopefully we're gonna uh, we're working on towards getting some NFT tickets for their conference. But what's keen is not just doing the ticket for NFTs, right? Like, okay, I'm just buying a ticket for the NFT. I know you have it. I scan you in. Fantastic. No. Mm. Well, if you're part of the Board API Club or if you're part of uh, the Argentinian uh, uh, art community, right? And you go and log in with your your MetaMask that that you're getting fifty percent off, or you're getting you know uh, a free claim on the ticket, right? I don't need permission. You know, could that be bad or good? Maybe, but the fact that I don't need permission, I can extend something to an to another community and give them access to my. It's like both marketing smart and and collaboratively, you know, something, I'm trying to come up with something interesting to say, but I can't, but you know, you, you see that the, the power of it, you know, it's not even the ticket stuff. It's the fact that now this group has access or, or privilege or, or something special for having done something, right? Like maybe they have to have my NFT for the ticket and you own uh, a nice little bar down the street and you also sold an NFT. And if you have both of them, then the drinks are in the house, you know, hmm. Like there's a lot of power that hasn't yet to be explored and probably things we still not, and, and not to mention, 
we're still not we haven't still still seen like title on chain right car titles real estate titling uh you know patrick brin from overstock with all his kind of crazy blockchain ideas he mentioned like places in south america where it's like this dark capital right mm -hmm. like they, property they rights resource to, rights correct like yeah. maybe we need a decentralized way of doing that where they can trust each other and bond each other just like that silk road conversation that we had in early day where they don't have to trust each other but there's something that's keeping them like sane and trustless uh where now you know that person's little ranch in like the middle of nowhere that he may or may not own you can go there and rent it from him and feel confident that he's going to get paid and you're going to have a good experience like there's you know it's crypto and blockchain and nfts and like we i think we're going to continue it may go to a point where we don't call it nfts and i agree i i'm, I'm someone that always thinks about it in those terms like we don't talk about mp3s we don't talk about other technologies in those in those kind of acronyms you and i may and we may continue to talk in those ways and that will be very niche and very you know industry specific but the reality is culturally changes the technology changes for everybody and is you know uh very very powerful so i've always thought that this is really going to be the the form of the technology that brings it to more mainstream mass adoption in that it is visual right it's not just some token it's not really an idea people can see it they can feel it uh when they're with people in these communities well then they feel like that togetherness and and that is way more interesting to me than any sort of like capital implementation of this technology or really like business building. Um, it's how people come together and, and relate and, and share and connect. Um, and just like shout out to all the work that you are doing to make it real, to make it physical. And in such like a fun, vibrant place like Miami, it's, it's a no brainer. So just a lot of love for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're at the end of our time. So like last word is yours. Anything we missed, definitely let people know where they can find you, uh, and you know, where they can get tickets, I guess. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I'm Gianni Delenta, uh, all over. You'll see how to write it from this podcast. Um, but, uh, my MNFT week also pretty much everywhere with the same handle. And then the conference is March 31st to the, to the second. Uh, of this year uh, tickets are on sale you know and there's lots of opportunities to participate we're also doing a build-a-thon that is we didn't get to that but i'll, I'll briefly say a build-a-thon that's in parallel to the conference at our university uh, uh college actually miami Day community college which is the largest community college in the united states and we'll have something there so that snow code code and creative can do something interesting and build and experience interesting things as well as having the conference to go with it. So, you know, second year, we're trying our best to do another great, great job like we did last year and to continue to build it and make it a place where all different types of voices, all different types of people, all different types of ethnicities and cultures can come together and feel like they're in, in su casa, like we say in Miami. I love it. Uh, all right, we'll send it home. Uh, that was Johnny Delerta, NFT Miami. Uh, and I'm Colborn Bell, Museum of Crypto Art. Special thank you to uh, Dementi for putting this together. Thanks, everybody. Breaking news.